are Jesus. You are God who took on flesh, lived a holy life, died, on the third day was raised and now reigned the right hand of God waiting to return to restore all things. You are the good, good Father. It's who you are. And we are loved by you. That changes who we are. We are now the beloved of God. You're a chain breaker. You, you set people free. You bring healing. You bring hope. You bring joy. You bring life. That is who you are. And we are so grateful that we can praise you with this truth. And now we ask of God as we uh, come to the teaching of your word, that Spirit, you would come and speak to our hearts and convict us where we need to be changed and encourage us where we need to continue in the way. Or give us hearts that are open to the reality of what is true. Give us eyes that can see, ears that can hear. And Lord, I would ask that, that you would let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, my God, my Redeemer. In Jesus' name, amen. I'll say a lot of things this morning. If you would remember at least this, okay? A lot of, a lot of words going to come at you today. Okay, I want you to get these down. If the enemy can divide us, he can beat us. Now, if we'll stay connected to Christ and to one another. We will live hopeful, and we will be helpful, which is exactly what our world needs desperately now. And we have everything we need to be connected. Remember what Jesus said about himself. This is not inconsequential. This is serious. Jesus said in John 15, 5, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me, and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. We are called by Christ to be connected to Him and to be connected to one another. Uh, this being the last time we use this, I just want well, maybe not forever, but at least a reminder, we are not marbles. We are not hard-covered realities sitting in the same space but not connected. That's not, we are not this. We are grapes. We are connected to the vine that is Jesus Christ. We take on His image and we bear fruit. It is it is to be good fruit. It is. Someone asked me earlier if these were real. They're real. And they're sweet. And this is what we're supposed to be. And you know what? It's crazy. Oh, it's a little tart. We grow better together. We're not supposed to be like marbles that don't change. That show up at the same place and sit there pretty. And by the way, y'all are a great-looking crowd. Gorgeous, even. I mean, some of you have hair in your head, but some of you don't have an ugly head, and so God doesn't cover that. And that's what I'm talking about, right? We're all different in our own unique way, but we're to be connected. And, and when this disconnection happens, what happens is the darkness easily comes in and wipes us out. When we're disconnected and we're on our own, it's so easy to get taken out. So what the enemy wants to do is he wants us to stop thinking about being together. He wants us to start thinking about just me. What do I want? What do I like? And he wants to get us isolated from the family so they can take us out. And we grow better together. We are better together. This whole year has been about being better together. What I want to talk to you about this morning is the fact that if we will speak the gospel truth, 
connected, then we will grow better together in what God has given to us. If you've got your Bible, and I really hope that you do, take it out and turn with me to Colossians 3. If you've got your smartphone, your iPad, whatever, uh, go uh, and, and open it up and go to Colossians chapter 3. There's a Bible in front of you. If you need to bring one, feel free to use it. Feel free to take it home. We'll get more. We're in Colossians chapter 3. We're going to be in verses 9 through 11. And, and Rudy Pardue is going to read for us. So Rudy, come on up. Let's all stand together in honor of God's Word. And Rudy is going to read for us. Again, we're in Colossians 3, beginning in verse 9. Rudy, if you would. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put on the old self with its practices, and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its Creator. Here there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all and in all. The Word of God. Thanks be to God. Well done, Rudy. I had to go to seminary to learn how to say Scythians properly. He did it at such an early age. Good for him. You know, um, crazy thing used to happen when people would get sick. Um, the medical professionals at the time, a couple of years, hundred years ago, when someone would get sick, they would get leeches and connect them to people's bodies, thinking that those le- leeches would be able to suck out whatever was causing the person to be sick. Well, now we know it had the opposite effect. They, they actually needed that blood with those white blood cells to be able to fight whatever infections were, were being caused. We are in a culture, speaking specifically of North America, where what we need in order to be healed and, 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 and have hope is being sucked out of us. Now, the people that are doing it, please don't, don't let's not get a, you know, them, they're the problem kind of a thing. I, I don't. I mean, I think there are some who want to cause harm, but I think most people in the world want to see healing, reconciliation, strength, good to come. It's just that the practices that are being used are doing just the opposite of what we need as a culture. So what this, our secular society is doing, it's sucking out the very things that will actually make us better. Let me speak the three of them. There's more that we can talk about. I just want to get you the big three. The secular world has removed, notice this, community and replaced it with individualism. We need community. You know, I have an iPad. I have an iPhone. How many of you guys have an iPhone? I, 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 I. That is not happen chance. See, our secular society is trying to sell us something that's a lie. Our secular society is saying to you, you don't need other people. No, 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 no. All you need is a good-paying job. That way you can have possessions and pleasure and power and popularity. It needs to be all about you. And once you get to that place where you have power and you're safe, then you've got it. The problem is the people that got it are still empty. They're still sad. They're still sick. They're still broken. And nothing has been healed. Because what we don't need is individualism. What we need is each other. What we need is community. Second thing that uh, the, the secular world has removed is truth and replaced it with personal opinions. And what a what a devilish strategy! 
I mean, just think, if, if you were the evil one and you wanted to, to destroy a culture, what better way than to remove the true north where no one would ever know if they were in the right place or the wrong place? I mean, what a, what a horrible, horrible thing to, to live through life, not sure if you're right or they're right, and then bumping into each other and getting mad at each other and creating conflict over opinions. No one talking about truth because, you know, we don't want to talk about truth because that's exclusive and that's scary. No, no, no. Everyone has an opinion. And so not, because, because everybody's wrong, nobody's right. And so everybody's fighting over something that, that no one knows for sure because truth has been replaced with personal opinions. What we need is truth. What we need is community. Third thing. Secular world has removed good news and replaced it with bad news. Here's the good news. I know it, it sounds weird at first. Hang with me. You and I are far more sinful and broken than we can possibly know. But God's grace is greater still. That's the good news. What's the world telling us? It's bad news, friends. Here's what the world is saying to us. You're not a sinner. Let's don't even use that word. You've made a few mistakes, but if you can... If you can get the right behavioral modifications and you can get a little bit of mental health, you can save yourself. That is bad news. Because here's the premise. Here's the premise of secularism. This is almost as good as it gets. And if, and if you can work really hard, you might make it just a little bit better. That's bad news. Here's the good news. For those of us who believe, this is as bad as it gets. Something better is happening. He's coming again. Even now, He is with us and He is at work. The good news is what we need. We need good news. We need truth. We need community. And all of that is being sucked out by secularism. And guys, we're letting it happen. See, the world has always been this way. But see, God put us here and He gave us His life. He, Christ, said, here, I'm going to produce in you a new life, a fruitful life, and you're going to take on this image and this sweetness, and you're responsible to go into the world and be salt and light. You are to bring truth, community, good news. But we're not. Because we're scared. See, the school systems have told our kids to not pray. Your workplaces have said, don't talk about Jesus. Your communities, your families, it's, it's getting kind of scary. Here's what the world has said to us. Hey, go to church. That's fine. Just don't talk about it when you leave. And we've complied. We've said, okay, we're scared. We won't. Friends, the solution is Jesus Christ. We are the body of Christ. And we've got the gospel truth. And we got to talk about it. We've got to pray it in. We've got to bring it into the conversations. We got to bring it into to what's going on into our world because that's the only hope of the world. And we can help. But you got to understand something about this about this 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 truth, this love that God calls us to give. Write this down. It's the, it's one of the main assertions of the gospel. The gospel truth asserts that lying is not loving. 
Now, I know most of us are Southerners. And I know that we're supposed to, when someone asks how you're doing, we're supposed to say, no matter how dark and no matter how bad it may be, do not let anybody know the truth. And no matter how fat that person may look in that outfit, do not tell them. <laughs> Again, what does the world do? The world tells out and out lies. Sometimes easy to spot. The real danger are the half-truths. See, that's where, that's where people take true words and use them in meaningless ways. And we got to be smart, church. Disciples of Jesus, we got to think. We got to really understand what is the truth. And, and we've got to be loving enough to not tell people a lie or let people believe a lie. See, we got a whole bunch of people today who are believing a, a ridiculous lie. And here's the lie that, that many are believing they're believing that, that there are no biological facts. And regardless of the fact that they've been born with an X and Y chromosome, it doesn't matter. They get to choose, based on their feelings, if they want to be or a boy or a girl. Friends, you and I can no more change the X and Y chromosome of our reality than we can change the year we were born. Look, I know I feel and I know I look like I'm 29. I know. I get it. But I'm not. Regardless of how I may feel or how spectacular I may look. Yeah? I'm actually more and more. That's a fact. I can't change it. It doesn't matter how I feel. You cannot change a biological fact. The year you were born, the X and Y chromosomes are. But you know what our world is saying? Sure you can all you got to do is check a box. doesn't matter what's true. And that's a lie. That is a lie. And friends, it is not loving to live in that lie with them. It is a lie to go along with say, oh, yeah, yeah, you are what you say you are. Right. That's not nice. you got to lovingly say, no, there's a truth here. We, we cannot just go along with a lie. We can't. I can't believe this lie of people who say life is only valuable if it's if it's wanted and capable of surviving on its own. See, there's this lie in societies: if you're not wanted, we can kill you. You know, if you're if you're not viable on your own, you're taken out, whether in utero or late in life. It really depends on whether or not you're productive or whether or not you're viable on your own. There's, there's, there's all kinds of One more that, that we're all just the same. And what we really need to do is stop talking about our differences and stop acting like we're different. Let's just, just ignore all those facts and let's just find the lowest common denominator and just try to work out that. I want to tell you something. That's a lie. God made you exactly the way He wants you, with the color you are, with the family you got, with all your strengths and abilities and weaknesses. He designed you for His glory. Psalm 139, verse 16 said, He knew you in your mother's womb. He formed you. He fashioned you. He knew every one of your days before any one of them came to be. And you are valuable to Him. Your difference, your distinction is a great value. But that's not what our world is saying. Our world is saying, you're no different. You don't matter. 
you're only valuable is if you can produce, if you're independent, you can be whatever you want to be. And here's what the powers that be know. Here's what world history will teach you. When the power, whatever that power is at work in the culture, says it long enough and loud enough and with enough entertainment, they can get millions of people to believe a lie gladly. Think about the last 150 years. 150 years ago, if someone had a darker pigment of skin, it was completely fine, and some even said it's good and biblical that they be put in chains, be raped and beaten, and taken from their families and treated as animals. This is evil. Millions of people said it was good. How many lies do you have to come to believe to come to the place where you would say this is good and biblical? There were millions of people who did it. What about 75 years ago? When there's a group of people who said, if you have a different ethnicity than us, then we should be able to starve you to to emaciate your very body and then to test on you and then send you to a gas chamber where you die. Millions of people said it was fine. Millions of people agreed with it. How many lies do you have to tell yourself to believe that this is okay? What about right now? This is a picture of a person in utero, 21 weeks, about to be uh, experienced surgery in the mother's womb. Right as the surgery was about to begin, this human being grabbed the finger of the physician. How many lies do you have to believe and tell yourself that that is not the hand of a human being? How many distortions of the truth do you have to accept to say it's okay for a human being inside of a mother's womb to be cut to pieces, drug out, and if it's still alive, just to be left on the table gasping for air until it stops? And by the way, hundreds of those happened in the last hour. How many lies do you have to believe to get there? Look at these three things. How many lies do you have to believe to get here? This is where we've been, this is where we are, and this is where secular society takes you. It sucks out the things that we need, and we have been given Christ, and we've got to stop lying. We've got to stop advocating, we've got to stop being passive, and we've got to be loving. And we've got to bring to the world what it desperately needs, community, gospel truth, and, and this amazing love of God that He's given to us. Amen? That's what we've got to do. I'm not saying it's easy. See, you're going to have to study your Bible real hard to understand how the truth of God's Word can be communicated and bring hope into this dark world. So you're going to have to stop thinking about theology through your political identity. You're going to have to get beyond what you know and what you have come to, to be trained to think you got to get beyond. you got to get a broader sense of understanding of the greatness of the glory of God according to the promises of His Word and bring that to bear on real life. And see, if you do that, it'll change your identity. 
So I want you to write this down. There's two things. We're going to take them one at a time. See, the gospel truth, it, it not only asserts that living uh, and lying is not loving, but also the gospel truth that identifies us. It's, it's these two things I want you to see in the text. As unique with different struggles. We're all unique. We all have different struggles. So you see this list in verse 11. There's Greek, Jew, circumcised, uncircumcised, barbian, skippy, slave, free. See, what Paul was doing there is they look, we're all different. We're not the same. By design, we are different. And we all have different struggles. And we need to, we need to take that on. We say, yeah, I'm unique. I got a unique set of circumstances. I got a, a unique set of struggles. See, in our congregation, we have black, white, Asian, Hispanic, other nationalities from lower, from some from, some from middle, some from upper class. And guess what? They're all unique. And all have different challenges. We have we have some that are educated, some that are uneducated. We have some that are, are multi-generations of healthy families. And if you come from a healthy family and you have a healthy family and you have to produce a healthy family, you are a true minority. Many are in families that are that are really dysfunctional. And some are in families like the family I was raised in was broken. Parents divorce, mom disappears my senior year, my dad's a truck driver. I raised myself for the last year of my high school life. We all got stories, guys. We all have a unique story. We all come from somewhere. We all been given a color of skin and a mental capacity. We all have things that we've been told and taught. We all have different struggles and pain. There's uniqueness to us all. But understand this. The gospel truth identifies us not only unique with different struggles, but united by the same Savior. Look at those differences, and then you look at the last part of verse 11. And out of all those different types of, all those different struggles, he says, but Christ is all and in all. Christ saves us all the same way. Christ transforms the same way. We all know that God's design is harmony. We know that sin has created brokenness. And we know that on our own, that that brokenness is death. But the gospel truth is, is that God has entered into flesh. He has conquered sin through, through his holy life and his death, his resurrection. Now, if we will repent, that is, stop, stop trying to do it on our own, trust Christ, believe the gospel of what he's done, we can pursue and recover God's design. But we do that better together. We're designed by God to do this together. We are to grow better together, and here's why. Because all of us, as it pertains to our sin and brokenness, we have blind spots. Because of our upbringing, because of our background, because of our design, we, and because of our struggles, we all have blind spots. We need people from another perspective to speak truth into our reality because we can't see it without them. C.S. Lewis tells a sad story about one of his dear friends dying. There's a group of friends, and one of them died, and it broke his heart, not just because of the, the loss of the friend, but because of the loss of what the friend would bring to the other friends. 
See, this guy was funny. And so he could make other people laugh in ways nobody else in their circle of friends could laugh. That person brought something unique to the group, and once it was gone, they lost that perspective. And so this is what he writes in The Four Loves. In each of my friends, there is something that only some other friend could fully bring out. By myself, I'm not large enough to call the whole man into activity. I want other lights than my own to show all his facets. See, when it comes to Jesus Christ, I'm limited in what I can know of Christ because of my training, because of my white, lower, and and middle-class upbringing, and and, and my experiences, and and my personal struggles. I'm limited. I need others that can speak into the reality of my life. And that's why I'm so glad I've got a small group of friends that talk with me. I mean, this week I I talked with some men that are a real important part of my life about life and about challenges and their challenges. And we're all so different. We can see what the others can't see. Even in preparing this sermon, I had a dear friend, an African-American, I said, tell me, is this going to cause confusion? Is this going to create a stumbling so that others can't hear the sermon? And I needed his perspective. Uh, there's a book I want to recommend to you. I read it a couple of weeks. I've read, I don't know how many biographies of Spurgeon. I've never heard this story before. Uh, but it's a story of a friendship between Charles Haddon Spurgeon the Prince of Preachers, who by the age of 35 had sold over 25 million copies of his works, and, and, a, and a man who was born in the slavery, his name was Thomas Johnson. Thomas Johnson um, was taken from his mother when he was very small. She was sold. He spent most of his life being beaten, treated like an animal. And in his teenage years, by the grace of God, he was saved. Radically saved, and it and it changed his mindset. It changed his heart. After after slavery was removed by the Civil War, thanks be to God, this man learned to read. Was called by God, became a pastor in Chicago. Now, while he was a slave, he heard about this guy. His name was Charles Spurgeon, and the reason he heard about him was because there was a book burning of Spurgeons in Virginia. And his master made him take one of the works of Spurgeon and throw it in the fire. And he told him that this abolitionist was telling lies, that slavery was bad. Now, he knew it was bad. So he knew that guy was lying, and that Spurgeon must be telling the truth because he's right. So he goes and he's preaching in Chicago of a multiracial congregation. And he's become friends, he and his wife become friends with a, with a, a couple from England. And they had dinner one night, and Dama and, and, and says to him, we're, we're called to go to Africa, but we don't know how to get there. We don't have the education. And his friend said, listen, we're from London, England. We're about to go back. Tonight we wanted to tell you that we think you're supposed to go back with us. See, there's this school that's led by this guy named Charles Spurgeon. He said, who? He said, I know that guy. I burned one of his books once. What? He explained the story. He said, I think you're supposed to go back and, and, and get trained to be a missionary to go to Africa. So they go. There was a night when Charles Spurgeon invited Thomas to his house. Thomas and his wife came to talk with Mr. and Mrs. Spurgeon. But see, what Thomas didn't know is that all of his life, Spurgeon had struggled with depression, even as a child. And he did know that after Spurgeon's wife had given birth to the twins, that she had lived the rest of her life on the edge of death. So that night, they walked into their house where it was dark because of the pain in their head, migraine, suffering, and 
She's laying on a couch, can't move. He's laying on a chair with gout. He can't move his limbs. He's shaking because of the physical pain. And he's deep, deep depression. And Thomas, this former slave who had been freed mentally and emotionally and physically, begins to minister to Spurgeon. And Spurgeon begins to see the light that night. And that night he begins to see a way out of his depression because someone who had once been in bondage was able to speak into his life where there was freedom in a way he had never understood or seen before. Meanwhile, Spurgeon is providing him an education that he never imagined was possible. He goes to Africa. He goes to Cameroon. Churches are planted. His wife dies. Falls into depression. And who but a man who's come out of depression can help a man who's been in depression? And the rest of their lives, they're able to speak to one another the truth of the gospel in community. And there's healing and there's hope. So here's what happens, friends. All of us are like this. I'm like this. And I need people who can come over here and look at me over here, right? Because I'm looking like this. And I'm like, why are they staring at me, right? What do you see? And they're over here going, Pettis is not seeing how messed up he is. And so I need to come over here and be like, you're messed up too. And together we can sh- we can see things we, we haven't seen before. Only if you're talking with people that are different than you. If everyone has the same racial background, the same economic background, the same education background, the same emotional challenges, you're not going to be able to help each other. You know, one of the things that we have challenges with here at Living Hope is people say, I want to be in a small group. Like, all right, yeah. And we put them in a small group. And in a few weeks, we get an email back. That small group didn't work for us. They're different than us. And it's everything in me, not to the love of Jesus. Send an email and, and talk plainly. But I, I, I don't because they said I couldn't. But I'm telling you. Friends, everybody, we need each other. And here's what you don't know. You don't know what you don't know. And so long as you're just going to keep on hanging out with the people that are like you, that think like you, that come from the background, you, those blind spots are just going to stay. We, you need different leadership in your life. You need people from a different background with different challenges and different hurts that have been helped by the gospel in your life. The small group is a great place to find it. you got to know as we're going forward, as you're going forward, Listen, you in your life, you're going to face challenges and you're going to need that other perspective. As a church, listen, if we go through the persecution that most churches go through after a season like what we've gone through with so much freedom, who are we going to need to lean on? Who is it that we know who has been told, no, we're not going to do business with you. No, you can't drink at the same water fountain as us. No, you can't have anything to do with us. We'll do nothing with you. Who is it that's been through that that can, that can lead us as we go through that in ways that are godly and God-honoring? There is a heritage among the African-Americans that we're going to need. And we have a heritage among white, evangelical, Protestant, educated that, that they need. And there's a, there's a need for Hispanics from, from both and from Asian and, and from all places on the points of the planet of the earth. And God has brought all of those right here to our city. 
question is, do we dare experience community? Do we dare bring gospel truth? Do we dare love each other and learn from each other and become the church of Jesus Christ as is taught in the scriptures? Friends, if we will, something powerful is going to happen. Something that none of us could produce. Write it down. The gospel truth grows us better together to live hopefully personally. We will find hope in ways we've never had it before. We will see things that we were blinded to before. We will find that our fears are overcome by the victories of others who've been through similar but different things, and they have the confidence in the gospel of Christ to call us forward into the glory of God. Only in as much as we will connect. Only in as much as we will stop believing the I lie of our culture and say, we're better together. I got to get connected. I gotta get connected with those weirdos. And good news, there's room for one more. That's what it's gonna take. And when that happens, write it down. We will be helpful missionally. We will, we will, we will be able to live hopeful personally. Then we'll be able to be helpful missionally. Let me tell you why the church is not a lot of help right now. Because there's just as much racism and brokenness and a lack of wisdom in the church as there is outside of it. But if the gospel does what only the gospel can do, we will become the answer that Christ is meant to be in society. We are the body of Christ. What does our community need? Christ. So as we live in love with Jesus and one another, we will bring to bear what is most desperately needed. Hear me. Secularism cannot heal what is broken in our culture. Here's why. Because they teach Darwinian evolution, which says that those who are in power should kill those who are weaker. A secular society will always lead to death. There is only one who claimed to be the way, the truth, and the life. And what was his name? Jesus Christ. And we are the body of... Are we? Are we just a sociological group? Deceived into thinking we're something that we're not. Are we just going through the motions because this is what we've been taught to do? Or is Jesus alive? And is his love real? And is his Bible true? And can we speak it and pray it and live it? See, if we can live hopeful, we can be helpful. Some of you are trapped today. You need Jesus. Some of you have Jesus and you've been hiding. you got to stop secular society is sucking out the very thing that, that is necessary and needed right now. We must breathe it in. We must talk about Jesus. We must love one another. We must love Jesus. And we got to pray for those that we know who are hurting and broken. Not judge them. Pray for them. Pray for them. So I'm wondering this morning if you'd like to come and ask Jesus to be your Savior and Lord. I'm wondering this morning if you want to say, Lord, grow me. Grow me. 
I want to be used by you. I want to be the light. I want to bring it in. I wonder if this morning if you could come and pray for our nation. Come and pray for our schools. Come and pray for our neighborhoods. Come come and, and pray that the body of Christ, not just living hope, the body of Christ, will begin to be what Christ has called us to bring in. There be healing and hope in our land. Let's stand together as we pray. Father, the issues are complicated. The lies are abounding, but your truth remains. And there is hope and healing in the blood of Jesus. There's power in that blood. And God, you can do it only in as much as we are surrendered to you. And so we can come as we are, and we can ask you to do what only you can do. And I pray this morning some will come and ask you to be their Savior. Some will come and ask you to give them eyes that can see. Come and, and say, I'm, I'm ready to get connected. I'm ready to serve. I'm ready to speak truth. And some will come and pray for that neighbor, that family member, that person they're in conflict with, that person that they've been trained all their life to hate and doubt and question and, and, and think less of. Lord, can we pray for our enemies? Can we pray for those who persecute us? Can we ask for revival that comes through the lives of saints who have trusted in the Savior? Only in as much as we will come to you, connect to you, and connect to one another. Hear the prayers of your people, the praise we bring you now. In Jesus' name, amen. Come and pray as we sing about what Jesus can do.